friends, <laughs> welcome back to perhaps the very best and most special episode of oh, the Bell Malcolmist podcast of all time. This is the show where we look at the movies we love, cherish, adore, break them apart, even though they're almost flawless, to find out what gives them their magic, sex magic, as the Red Hot Chili Peppers would say. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, in his last appearance on the show, Alex How Dandino. dare you? <laughs> Fucking elated by the cinematic gift I have bestowed upon him, Alex Dandino. Fucking hate you. God damn it. Guys! It's the middle of our uh, month in the abyss of October, guys. This is our horror movie marathon. 31 pods, 31 days. I know this is rude, but... We pretty much are going to peak right here in the middle. I'm sorry. For sorry. Honestly, you might not be wrong. Like, this is fucking <laughs> insane what we're about to talk about. All right, guys. So thank you guys for staying with us. We know it's a lot of pods. We love that you guys make this awesome every year. Remember to keep your notifications on. You should be getting a new podcast alert every single day. Uh, guys, something you can do to help the show out. Go to our Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash film alchemist pod is the very best way to help this show. Uh, every single dollar helps. We assure you, we know your dollars are hard-earned, so we're working hard to earn them over there. For as little as $1 a month, you can come in, join our community. We got a, an exclusive Discord over there. You can meet some of our patrons, do some Zoom calls, fun stuff like that. As you go up the tiers, you can actually get the show you deserve by selecting the specific movies you want covered in a Patreon-exclusive library. So, guys, again, that's patreon.com slash Pod. It means the world to us that so many of you support us over there. And for those of you who are about to, it means the world to us as well. So thank all of you at once. Go to YouTube. Subscribe to the channel Film Alchemist. You can see video versions of most of our pods there, as well as other cool ideas we be cooking up all the time. You can email the show Pod at gmail.com. Something you can do for free, make sure you leave us a rating and review, a quick five-star, a couple sentences about why you enjoy spending time with us. Helps us defeat the algorithmic country hooksters that be trying to steal our wealth and fortunes. Uh, also, we're on all the socials you're on. So get at us, True. guys. We're easy to get a hold of, and we love to hear from you. <laughs> right. Enough of that business. Let's get to art. Hi, art. Uh, today's selection, Alex. I think it was my friend Brian on Junk Food Cinema, right? He got a hold of me, asked if uh, he was working on this project, right, called uh, Rainy Day Movies. Mm -hmm. So when you're having your bad day, right, and as creators, I think a lot of us suffer from a lot of this, right? We're emotional, temperamental people. It's hard to create things and <laughs> feel the self-doubt. It's hard to put it out into the world and then have other people rip it to shreds because that's how they get their kicks. Not wrong. True. All true. So Brian asked me, what's your Rainy Day movie? And I had to really sit and think about it. You know, you start going through the classics, the all-time greats. And I was like, you know what? Actually, my rainy day movie is a very weird one. It's this film we're watching today called Head of the Family. It is, uh, I, I mean, I know there are some of you that are going to say not like an Oscar-level film. I mean, agree to disagree. It's fine. Uh, but you, it's one of those. You're not, that is not what you're saying. You got to be fucking kidding me. I said it's not an Oscar level. Film, okay, good. But, you know, good. I said there are those that would say that. I wouldn't necessarily say that. But okay, good. Want to make sure you're not one of those. <laughs> Otherwise, the spot. I'm not saying it done. should have won any statues, but if it had, I would have been excited. Um, this movie. What I love about this movie is that I, I love when a movie is just so weird and quirky 
and everything about it feels wrong. How did this happen kind of movie. But you can tell that the people behind it really were behind it, right? This isn't a film where anyone phones it in. Um, there is a, a love and a an appreciation for this movie that doesn't seem on the surface like it should have any of those elements that I think makes it really fun. And, and for me as a person who kind of creates stuff and, you know, you you lose your faith sometimes in that. I like seeing a movie like this where people just powered this into existence. And it's better than, honestly, it probably has any right to be. So this is a rainy day movie for me. I've seen this way more than I would care to confess on this pod. Alex, uh, what was your uh, experience like seeing the light for the first time? Yeah, believe it or not, first time for me. Uh, it's uh, real shocking, I know, <laughs> given that this is the kind of movie I would always watch on a rainy day. Um, yeah, you know, this movie had all the earmarks of porn. Uh, bad lighting. Uh, I feel like, yeah, having gone through and edited, we've talked about there's a lot of low-budget horror movies that uh, are really straddling the porn aesthetic line. Which, again, by the way, this one is humping the line. Thing most of the time. Yeah, this one is humping that line in the back of the food freezer. Yeah, literally, like, this is, this is, hump, yeah, this is for sure, like, and not even hump, like, dry humping in the back of the food freezer. Yeah, it's, um... But, I mean, look, this is the important thing about the movie, and this is why actually, like, talking about it doesn't bother me. Like, we've done movies on this pod, on this pod where I've been like, I don't even want to talk about this movie. Like, it was not <laughs> entertaining to me in the slightest. Like, everything about it sucked. I was not, I did not enjoy this movie. My opinion. This movie commits to the bit so hard, you can't fault it, and you have to respect it, and you have to go through and say, you know what? This is the movie that's like this movie could this movie could do, like do two things horribly wrong. And this movie would have been like probably shot and be like, if anyone ever finds out any of us were in this, our careers are over, <laughs> which is like either take itself way too seriously, like turn this thing into like a like, you know, meta horrifying, like just Planet of the Apes style, like murder spree type movie or it goes way too like way too hokey and way too corny it does this amazing thing which cannot be duplicated there's no way this movie can be made again period is so you're straddles- not with me on trying to buy the rights to head of the family not this one if I, I were say, to cash in, because we you, always say if we got our big Hollywood check, right, and they're like, we'll let you reboot something. What's number one? We both said it, Event Horizon, right? Mm-hmm. I think that is just an – not that we'd ever make as good as Event Horizon. No, film, but it's but just – it's it's very fruitful territory. There's more meat on that bone, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. This would probably be my number two. I would be so ecstatic Look, to get I a crack be, at like, head of the family. It wouldn't, be my, <laughs> it wouldn't be my number two, but I can tell, I can tell you that – it can be a number two. It can be a number two on someone's list. Like there are surprisingly still meat on the bones after this. Like, and again, it doesn't shy away from the fact it's, it's like watching a movie. It's like watching a, it's like watching a friend's movie. Someone has made something. And I used to do this in high school, like buddies of mine, like we'd all make stuff and we'd all watch it. And it's like, you're sitting there and like, someone's watching you watching their shit. And you're like, Mm -hmm. what do you think? What do you think? And like, this feels like someone is standing in the room with me watching this movie. He keeps looking at me and be like, do you think it would like, and it's not, do you think it's good? It's like, do you think I pushed it far enough? That to me is always, that to me is what this movie is about. <laughs> and that, 
And that really works, <laughs> in my opinion. Well, again, this is there. there is a slew of these, right? So me and Amy used to do this date night tradition. I think it was Wednesdays or Thursdays. I can't remember. But Sci-Fi Channel would always have a new release dropping that day. Mm-hmm. So we right. would cook a meal together, and we would watch whatever the new Sci-Fi Channel movie was. Ice Spiders, Trailer Park Shark, whatever, right? And there right. were a slew of them, right? A lot of, like, giant creature movies, this and that. Mm-hmm. And they were almost all exclusively bad, but they committed the sin that I hate the most, which is they'd find a guy who was a star, air quote, to, like, our parents, right? Right. Like, TV's Eric Estrada, and you're like, he means nothing to me and anyone else watching this movie. But if my mom's flipping the channel, she'll be like, Eric E. Estrada, I'm in, right? right. Like, I'm going to watch. And Eric Estrada's still in this spot where he's like, well, I'm still a star. Right. So he treats the sci-fi channel movie, of which his talents are barely capable, as if he's dramatically <laughs> better than. And it was hard to watch this guy just shit on, like, hey, you signed on to do a movie called Trailer Park Shark. Maybe maybe get off your high fucking yeah. CPH Listen, horse. You know what I mean? I, I know you turned down Terrence Malick's new movie to be here, but in the meantime. <laughs> yeah. Maybe while Tarantino's off licking feet, you know, give a little effort, right? He'll call you. <laughs> so it's like, you know, and I hated when they'd get these like old shitty TV guys and they would just, you could tell that they weren't buying it. Mm-hmm. And what head of the family does exception well is everyone is fully bought in. And I'll start with some of the things I just really love. One, the, the premise of it is just fucking hilarious. Yes. Right? That this one egg splits four specific ways, very unevenly, I guess you would say. And so boy, you get oh these, four, these four siblings, right? The Stagpools, right? Stagpool. That's a clever name. I like it. So you have the head of the family, Myron, who's the big brain, right? Mm-hmm. And Literally. he essentially, yeah, he's like a gigantic fucking head in a wheelchair. And he essentially controls his three siblings, right? The gigantic super strength man, Otis Wheeler, who has the eyes of a hawk and the, the ears of a also hawk, fox, whatever. I don't know. Right? He, can so he hear has very super well. senses, yes. And then Ernestina, who has the skills of being whop. super hot. Yeah. And, just, <laughs> and, that so, is- and in case we couldn't tell she was super hot, she her going out to town outfit is just lingerie. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. But. So right off the bat, you're like, Got all right, it. would you watch like a country fried psycho with four siblings that come from the same egg and the one guy's a giant head in a chair? And you're like, yes, I'm I'm interested. But I'll tell you, for right from the start, what I really like is I actually think the script for this movie is fantastic. <laughs> and not just the story. I think the dialogue in this movie is fucking funny, right? And so our main guy, uh, Mr. Bogan, right? He essentially is playing this trailer park uh, Clark Gable, right? And like his girl Friday or whatever. Boy, oh boy. Or was it it happened one night? Is that a description or what? How dare... I'm saying this movie is infused with the love of golden age Hollywood. And I think he's playing this like white trash, you know, trailer park screwball comedy character. The dialogue and the tempo with which these actors are delivering the dialogue is really snappy and fun. I really like the kind of eloquent talking white trashisms of this film i mean i'm not sure i'd ever use the word eloquence when it comes to the script of this film come on but but look look, i I see what you're saying though like like for instance like the beginning of this movie the top of this film which by the way spends an inordinate amount of time establishing the fact that that house is the house like like the top of the movie literally just like does the credits over the house and i'm just like 
I get it, guys. We got to move this thing along. Like, yeah, there's, there's only 82 minutes in this movie, and I've spent five of it staring at this house. That's another plus. Again, if you're not a huge toit. fan, in and out. Yeah, it's toy like Toyga. So, in and out. but no, I see what you're saying. Look, the diner scene. This the, movie the, is like Lucky Charms, and they're like, you know what? The only thing lucky about that is when we pull out the cardboard cereal parts and you just get the bag of marshmallows like everyone wants. That's what head of the family. The opening scene with the diner, yeah, has like the spirit of a, uh, huh, supposing you're supposing. Oh, yeah, I'm supposing all that. Like, like there is like that. Yeah. There is that like Rosalind. <laughs> there is that like Rosalind Russell, Cary Grant, like repartee, like attempted at least. It's not necessarily replicated. Yeah, I'm but... not saying it's on the same level, but I'm saying. It's no, a nice I, I, change of pace. It doesn't I, sound like other low-budget, shitty, made-for-TV movies like No, this. it's, you know, the meanest guy in town calling his girlfriend a fatty for eating a Sunday. That's... Yeah, no shit. Jeez. Dog, dog the uh, Weight Watcher. <laughs> Am I right? Dude, just, like, <laughs> tacking it on rather than, like, getting a little squishy in the middle. Like, one Sunday guy? Why don't you calm down? Yeah, Jeez. also... We spend the entire rest of the movie looking at her naked body. Not squishy at all. Not that squishy. That guy's just a no. bad, shitty husband. That guy's just a dick. Just that a guy's bad. honestly just yeah. a bad. He's just a bad. Like that particularly. Once, once you realize, you're like, <laughs> so you're just gonna body shame your 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 uh, Loretta into like thinking she's just only good enough for you. Not cool. That's when yeah. you're like, I, I agree with all this. <laughs> Yeah, poor Loretta. It's really just a march of the rubes for poor Loretta. Right? Seriously, she does <laughs> but, not uh, have her pick of the litter. I'll say. I mean, she does. It's just a bad she litter. Does. It's like a, not go a back litter. to the drawing board genetic <laughs> Sorry, yeah. pool, right? She should just maybe move. Maybe the stag pool is actually the town and not the stag pool. <laughs> 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 it's not great. But I, I will say that I like the kind of comical, lyrical, you know, repartee. And this gets to my second point. I think the actors in this movie are really good, actually. Like, are these actors that are like Daniel Day-Lewis saying No. But they know exactly what they needed to deliver yes. for this film. And they mm -hmm. honestly did it exceptionally well. So our, our main character, right, uh, you know, Bogan, he's really good. He's a very passable. Because a lot of these movies, they just cast the, you know, hot guy. Right? And yeah. he's got the abs and all this. But he's really good at the kind of, you know, smarmy little con man bit. He's mm -hmm. really good at delivering his lines. And Ernestina's really good at playing off of him. Uh, she's probably the most not living and breathing within the scene, but she's good at delivering her, uh, her little comedic bits with him. There's always gotta be one, you know, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't fine. disagree. Like, I mean, they also, put a lot more on and off of her throughout the film. So she had other things in her mind. I, I mean, it. honestly, uh, it's, um, I think it's the guy, uh, uh Lance, Lance, the, uh, Lance. the Lance, the very well-dressed, uh, for owning a diner. Uh, diner owner. He looks like every guy in that era who's just like, yeah, I want to do uh, Pulp Fiction clothes. Yeah, it's <laughs> sort of this weird thing where like B-movies for a long time were like, how do people dress when they work at restaurants? I don't know, suits? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know what goes well with bacon grease and people bitching at me about their pancakes? Suits. Armani. <laughs> Dude, so, I thought that. I was watching this movie the other day, The Innocents. And the, uh, the nanny's just like, oh, the vapors, I'd like to walk to the estate on this summer day. And she's got like 18 layers of dress on. I'm like, how do people not just die of heat strokes? <laughs> like, how Maybe are we did. even a species? Maybe yeah. they did. That's, Get that's my corset up. That's what the vapors were. <laughs> just heat strokes. Yeah, that's just... literally the vapors. They're like, I need oxygen and water. <laughs> they weren't just very sensitive uh, yeah, like, emotionals. I think... Uh... 
again, yeah, uh, Howard, the meanest man in town, as it's as he's, he's described really as he's described in Wikipedia. Howard is uh, Howard is committing the entire movie. Like yes. he really commits to the bit. And Where he's like, hey, call Lance over. And he's just putting together a gun poorly at the table. Yeah, like in a di- – again, like – But see, that's diner, good writing. That lets you know he's not the tough boy that he's playing on the surface. The diner itself, too, is like – I can't – the geography of that diner makes no sense to me. Like, it's got to be – Are you doing a shining uh, a shining examination of the diner? No, no. This isn't going to be a room 237 thing. It's more just like I'm <laughs> – it's more just like I was trying to figure out like where is this diner in the world and is it an actual like because it doesn't look like a diner it actually looks like a, oh it looks you're like going a lo- metaphysical it looks like a location actually no well no I mean it just like <laughs> it just looks like a location they found like hey I think this is, used to be an old jeweler's place Do you just want to like set up here and pretend it's a diner? <laughs> like there's a lot of that but more to the point Lance to me is another like lance again committing like this movie does not work unless everyone's on board with the bit everyone has to be on board with the story and everyone has to be on board with who they're playing and like you're right lance is supposed to be this like extremely poor man's clark gable and you know that's like that's what it ends up being and it it does to maximum effect like the entire time there's never a time in this movie where i'm actually not believing that that guy knows them what kind of movie he's in. And that's the thing. For a movie that, you know, is supposedly going to rely on the trappings of these, right? Which they do, right? There's an awful lot of tits. There's plenty of sex. Shockingly low on the kind of murders and grotesque. There's a lot of grotesque theater of the mind, as we'll get to later in the yeah. stunning finale of this film. But... <laughs> They, they don't go cheap, right? They put the extra work in. And I'm sure that is not the easiest script to be like, hey, we're just going to nail this in one take, right? And I appreciate that. Yeah. Now, we, we have to get to the main thing that makes this movie unbelievably stunning to me is J.W. Para, I think his name is, right? And he plays Myron Stagpole, right? The head of the family. His performance family. is fucking amazing in this film. And I'm not saying, like, amazing for this kind of film. I fucking love Myron in this film. The voice is perfect. The face, the affectations, everything that he is doing in this movie works perfectly for me. What did you make of Myron, right? right, Again, our country fried Charles Lawton. Yeah, I mean, again, this is another great example of, like, there's like one way this goes horribly wrong. Like imagine if JW Parra decided to do this thing where he was like doing like a weird high voice and like making everyone kind of like being like really kind of like when I was a kid, there was an unsolved mysteries and somebody was pretending to be Lee Harvey Oswald and his voice was like super high. Like (laughs) it was like really weird and kind of like he's doing the judge in Roger rabbit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like, it's very weird. (laughs) What's great about this is he's just a regular guy. Like, he's a regular, like, southern gentleman voice, essentially, just in a giant head with some arms, which, again, works perfectly. It it, it is, honestly, a really good performance, (laughs) like... Well, like you said, because he doesn't play it as this cartoon character. I mean, except for literally Foghorn Leghorn. 
But he doesn't play it as this, like, I'm the head. Right? Or he's sitting there, like, you know, a job of the hut, like, welcome to the head. Right, exactly. He's He's not not doing the, like, go-tos of that character. Right. He is a guy who thinks he is this stately gentleman, right? This family that used to have status and wealth. And it's sort of like Southern Fried Modoc. Like, it's really like this. Uh, yes. Yeah. And I am a Modoc lover. You might have cracked some of this open for me. <laughs> I fucking have loved Modoc from the first time I ever saw him on the comic book page in probably the 80s or early 90s. And I was like, that's what's cool about comics is that that character exists in this, right? Yeah. But what I do, he actually does, though, right? Because you do. The way he plays him, he, there is a kind of respect for his intellectual powers in this. Oh, yeah. And by the end, he does manage to be very menacing, right? That last scene during the stage production, again, which we'll get to, stunning finale. Wow. It's fucking awesome. His performance is very, very good. It, and I do think that he elevates this movie, right? This is not Sand Sharks, right? This is no. better than all of its compatriots, right? This is a great performance, and I don't know that the rest of the movie works if you don't nail Myron. Like, I think everyone else is fine, but you have to nail Myron. And I think yeah. they did. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's like, it is the key to the whole thing. And the fact that it works the way it does. And the fact that he does, like, again, he's taking it seriously. Like, every TV actor who does movies like this, like, any act, like, again, Eric Strider's a great example. Uh, Eric Roberts is always the one I go to. Eric Roberts has been in like every fucking a lot TV of these, movie yeah. ever. Like, <laughs> and only recently has he like peaked, like poked into like like actual movies and stuff like that. But he's almost routinely like the TV. He was like the TV actor guy for a really long time. Well, he's the guy who was a name, and then he kind of fell out of favor, right? And, and now it's a like lot of this I- stuff, yeah. And now it's like ironic when he shows up in movies like The Dark Knight. You're just like Eric Roberts. The fuck happened? Like that's kind of weird. So like. Eric Roberts, though, is this guy who, like, knows the knows the bit. Like, he knows the bit so well, though, that it kind of doesn't work anymore. And, like, it, there was a time in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s when he was, like, popping up and stuff. You're like, this doesn't really work because, like, the Eric Roberts joke is, like, kind of, like, over with. Like, it's not really interesting or entertaining anymore. This is exactly where, like, an Eric Roberts would be and kind of, like, ruin the whole thing because he's just, like, making it this making it a joke because JW para plays it very seriously. Like he's a character. It's like everyone's in this movie with a character from a Tennessee Williams play. And and you buy it. Like, yeah, you like like the head, the head on a hot tin roof version. Yeah. It's head on a hot tin roof. It's, you know, (laughs) again, like, the head, you know, the head menagerie. Anyway, that's not, that's not Tennessee Williams. But either way, like, it's just one of those things where you're just like, I can't believe I'm, like, buying this. That, I think, is the most important thing about the entire movie is you're just watching. You're like, I can't believe I'm buying this. I And that's what I'm saying. I think a lot of people turn this on and they're like, oh, fuck. And I think about 30 minutes in, you start go, oh, shit, I'm actually enjoying myself. Yeah. Like, I'm actually re- – and that, again, that gets back to why this is my rainy day movie because – this is one of those it should just be a lost in time. And I mean, you could argue it is, right? It should be a lost in time kind of nothing movie. And I think when you mm-hmm. start watching it, you just appreciate the fact that this movie achieves as much as it does. And you can argue as to how much that is. But I think there is something really fun and extra about this, right? So we get into some of the the extras once we start 
exploring a little bit of the stag pools, right? And they're kind of power in their mansion, right? So Myron essentially has been running an operation where he traps Florida men in a dungeon, right? Where he mutate, he messes with their brains and feeds them potatoes, right? Which is actually a pretty jarring image in the middle of this film. You're like, okay, that's yeah, actually that's really like, horrific. Actually, that up. was the thing that reminded me of like playing to the apes is just like these like locked up humans. Yeah experimentations yeah and so they're like okay this is pretty good horror imagery now we're getting a little like universal mad scientist vibe okay i'm with it i'm with it right and bogan's obviously double cross him right lance is lance has now interfered yeah and there's this great bits of wheeler just hawking him right to get the information right they go kill the lawyer they're in yeah now here's the part where it gets really strange when otis or myron calls lance he's like hey you're getting a package tonight be alone which is strange because what i think he meant to say is i'm getting your package tonight be alone. <laughs> and so myron sends ernestina yep which he claims he has used her abilities often and he doesn't have to explain how to lance so as ernestina shows up money in hand right lance says thanks the tits come flying out right right and I believe Lance's line prior to that was, or should I say Myron? So he knows exactly what's happening. That Myron is steering uh, the SS Ernestina right at the iceberg that is his hog. And after one foot lick, which again, that's a strange fetish to add on to Myron. I like that start. He just goes, all right. And we cut to uh like porn POV of Ernestina riding and Lance just oh boy oh god goodness the vipers right whatever southern people say she ducks and Otis fucking clocks him <laughs> and it just raises three to one thousand questions <laughs> about Myron and this what did you make of this scene I mean if anything it uh reveals Myron as a I don't know I guess a I, 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 maybe just a pleasure seeker. Perhaps he's like a forgotten Cenobite. Like, it's so weird. Like, eh. Myron and Hellraiser would be the truth. Just get those fucking comically huge nipple clamps. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I mean, yeah, it becomes pretty clear that Myron, so Myron is, yeah, like, Myron's mind controlling all these guys. Yeah. Because the I, goal seems to be get Lance. Yeah. Which is why weird. does he let Lance get all the way to penetration before Ooh, and not wait, climax? Okay, because okay, like to me, so like really, the crux of this movie like ends up being because like you find like my all of Myron's experiments are basically how to get him into another body. Like, is there a brain that can handle uh -huh. the capacity of Myron's brain? Yeah, because like that's the problem. Is like again, like. There's no shortage of Florida men, but I'm sure none of them have the brain capacity to handle Byron's <laughs> brain. <laughs> Not the hardiest stock for mental transfer. Is that what yeah. You're and again, like I actually was like, it's funny you say Florida man because in my notes I wrote down I was like, if anything, Myron's doing quite the public service. But you know, whatever. I'm gonna Google how many Nobel Prize winners grew up in Florida. I'm sure over it's... under one Vegas over <laughs> under odds. If you had to put your life on the line, one. <laughs> If you had to put your life on the line to be in a weird Joan of Arc reenactment, what would it be? Um, but yeah, I'm going zero. <laughs> Fear Safe of bet. fire uh, at Shakespeare in the park. I'm going zero. 
But why? Why does he? <laughs> I feel like the reason he's like, I feel like honestly, to me, it's like he's testing out the goods because like he thinks that he thinks that Lance is is the one. So you think that he's he's I think, fucking Lance through Ernestine and he's like, I've had better. I think he's <laughs> like, his hmm, excellent girth. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Ooh, the vapors. Like yeah, he's, he's trying like, mm-hmm. to get the vapors through Ernestina, and if he does, <laughs> it's on. You know what I mean? He has those little tiny lungs, though. The vape. <laughs> the va- now, <laughs> for him, it's just the vape. He can't even have the earth. No, he's just but all no, vape. So you think he, if Lance like fucking beat the brakes off of it, that they form like a super crime family? He's like, you can't keep having two thousand dollars a month for dick. <laughs> Because I was like, this is a weird. Because I was like, was this just to neg him, to bring him down a notch? I mean, I there think is- it's. I think it's six one half dozen the other. Like, imagine. Here's the thing: you meet these big weirdos, you have sex with one of them, and then you get Brock back to their place, and you're just like, listen, there's a good chance you're gonna wind up like. It's like, that was he- the final indignity. He didn't let Lance finish. Probably. Or was it? He's like, take here, take Ernestina for a test drive, right? And Ernestina right. gets a pretty unfair run in this movie. She literally is just a Fifi, right? With no ability to control her own yeah. sexual destiny, right? Which is Which not is a great. Which is uncomfortable for, it's not even a great for 1996. Look. But, if you, you know. look at her as an extension of Myron's, right, corporeal body. Yeah. And there's not like an Ernestina trapped in there being abused. It's not as bad, but it's, it's still a bad look, right? There's no real good way to soft sell this. No. But what if his plan was to have Lance take a run at Ernestina because then he would feel less attached to uh, his, his girlfriend. And so when the tortures and this and that start, maybe he's, he's a little fractured in his mind or am I overthinking this dramatic? I mean, I see where you're going here. Because this is I mean, the weird. The tall man in Phantasm did this exact same thing. He lured a guide out to a cemetery, right? Yeah. And on a graveyard, he's like, oh, yeah, oh, oh. I think they do oral even. And then as he, like, mounts this guy, he's like, Hur! and the next thing you know, it's like Angus Scrim. The tall man is just on top. Like, ah! And it's like, why did you go all the way to fucking? Like, you're a super powerful, like, extra dimensional being like why why do you let him hit it before you kill him? i think i'm right in that he's testing out the goods he wants to know if this is going to be a suitable if he wants to know like oh if like and this is like the ultimate he literally fucks himself when you think about it like yeah he's like they imply that ernestina has extra duties yeah so in it's kind seen, of a cringy way yeah yeah it's again even for 96 it's a little a little dark <laughs> But <laughs> you have to think of her more as like an ex machina thing, I think, to yeah. kind of shield yourself. I mean, I think of all of them as an ex machina. Thing. Although the whole point of ex machina is that you can't distinguish that they're not human. So maybe I'm wrong again. Anywho, all of them kind of feel like ex machina at some point, you know. Okay, uh, now let's cut to instead of talking about this extra weird sex scene, I do think it just shows <laughs> a lot about Myron, though. Let's talk about this amazing addition that I fucking adore. Right? Get past the breast lick and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I fucking love the stage show in this. I think that is one of those. Yeah, you're a big insane... theater guy, so this makes sense. Oh, huge. I'm, I'm, I like to see actors on boards. That's my, my mode. <laughs> uh, 
What I love, though, I think this is just one of those wildly demented and personal choices, right? That someone somewhere had, like, I desperately want to put this into the world. And I love when something this weird and demented is in a movie. Yeah. It's just fucking awesome. Joan of Arc with a bunch of lobotomized prisoners and this tortured woman in a dog collar. I mean, again, like, it is just, like, tacking up every crazy thing you can fit into something like this. Like, there's yeah. no... It It's the perfect example of why not sometimes works. Like, <laughs> like imagine being someone who's, like, imagine being, like, you've done this. Imagine being a reader, and you're reading through the script for Head of the Family. You get this far. Because, like, again, like, I've, I've, I've done the reading thing, too. I've done read, readers, too, like... Sometimes you're not supposed. Sometimes you don't get past thirty pages. Like you, you like you, you, like you have to like stop and be like, I don't know if I can finish this. Like, yes. But imagine being a reader and getting to this part. Like, a stage is revealed, and Loretta's dragged out, and there's a pyre, and you're like, what is ha-? like? I can't even conceive of. I feel like I'd be flipping through pages like, did I miss a page? Like, I feel like I missed a huge. You would look like one of those guys, like desperately searching for the yeah. answer in an like, old leather bound book. I probably would have like, I would have called yes. the writer and been like, I think I missed some pages. Can you send me a new draft? Like that's uh, something's no. missing. As a guy, I've been a screenplay analyst for a lot of years. And in my early time in Hollywood, I read a shitload of scripts for years. If I had ever gotten head of the family, it would have been one of the best moments of my reader life. Because one of the the problems with being a reader in Hollywood is that so many of the scripts, there's like two great sins that you hate, right? Is one, you're like, this is a direct ripoff, right? Die hard in a preschool. You're like, all right, boring, I get it. Or the, this is going to win all the awards. Can you get Merrill's representatives on the horn? And you're just like, oh, God, boring. (laughs) To get this, I would have been ecstatic. Ecstatic. There's certainly a treat to it. But, yeah, it's a very very weird thing to tack on. Yeah, the one great script I ever got was The Purge when it was called The Release. And it was set in, like, a small British village. And I never forgot it because you're like, that is fucking bananas. And it went on to be a huge franchise. I think head of the family, I would have thought the exact same thing. Like, holy shit, this is fun as fuck. And I want to pay to watch this movie. I mean, head of the family is certainly the ending alone. The ending alone with like between like the Joan of Arc play and then like o- Otis, right? Otis is the big dumb one. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Otis like carrying her off. Like again, like it just happens in just such odd succession. You're like, oh, that's the end of the movie. Like again, it's <laughs> it one comes of, very fast. You're just like, Jesus. Like you're expecting yeah. like another 20 minutes after that, and you're just like, yeah. nope, that's it. Well, like, you that- think Lance is gonna get out. He throws Myron down the stairs, which is an amazing gif. Awesome. Uh that I use all the time. Uh you think Lance is gonna get out? He just gets shanked real quick and matter of factly. Uh Ernestina drifts off. We have no idea what happens to Ernestina. Nope. And this is so <laughs> let's walk through Otis's emotional arc of the film. Uh it's kind of again a throw another throwback to the golden age of Hollywood with Ray and King Yeah, King Dong over there. And he, pretty girl, Otis, pretty girl. Uh Twas Beauty slayed the stag pools, right? <laughs> Twas, twas. Actually, this is something I was wondering, though. (laughs) 
if he can do if like Myron can do all this, like mind control, do that kind of thing. Why is he wasting time? Do you think it's like a familial thing? Or is there like why is he wasting time not making Otis his why is he wasting time not putting his brain into his brain into Otis's body? Maybe Otis can't handle it. Hmm. I mean, I guess that's I guess. I mean, that that makes sense. Although it feels like he wants to be more in Ernestina's body. You know, that's where I would. Well, that I mean, yeah, that's because I'm assuming he'd rather be in any of his siblings bodies. Right. But yeah, maybe he likes having the control over them. Maybe there's something about being able to go in and out of different personalities, right, that he likes. Yep. Or not personalities, I guess, but skin suits. Yeah, so the Otis one does bring back the troubling, like, oh, so there is an Otis in there. Right. Which means there's probably a sibling in all the others, which is not as great. But it does kind of illustrate, again, the evil of Myron, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, how his plight has made him an oppressor in his own right. Uh, but I just I thought that was kind of a fun thing to add because they're essentially it is a brains versus brawn and they 100 percent go with brawn. Brawn yeah. wins the day. Brawn wins the day. Apparently yeah. brains. just And it's like if you could punch that big nerd in the head, <laughs> you, you win. There's never been anything more 1996 than a movie about a giant head and then he loses by getting punched down a flight of stairs. Yeah. yeah. But this this movie also exists in the post scream kind of carnage i would say and it's just kind of nice that this insanely odd goofball movie came out in this era and i i think there's so many fun besides myron and his siblings and the dialogue and the joan of arc play Mm -hmm. there's just so many batshit extras right where it felt like someone really had something to to put out there into the world right that i just appreciate because again so many of them are phoned in and you kind of accept that going in Mm mm-hmm this one just doesn't have that phoned in vibe. And to me, that yeah. makes all the differences. I think there's legitimately fun and weird and memorable bits to this film. I, I don't disagree. The movie feels like it was shot in like 1989 and they just mm-hmm. waited to 1996 to release it. And I think that's kind of part of its charm is it's interesting. Like even in 96, when it's released, it feels like a throwback to like an 80s. Yeah. Like an eighties horror, like an eighties B horror movie, and I, I agree. Like, again, to me, movies like this and movies like a lot of the movies we've watched this month, particularly, are all about the passion you have and the drive you want to like f- make a movie like that. Like, if that is your spirit, if that is the way you want to make a movie, and that's the movie you want with your name on it, my God, man, go for it! Like, I cannot imagine a yeah. better, I can't imagine a better way to live your life. It's only when things are like soulless and feel yes. like money grabs and you like when it's blatant like that, you can really tell. And I'm not sure any movie we've watched this month has that vibe for me. Like I've not and we've watched some of them for sure for this pod. Like we've watched movies that feel that way. I do not feel that way about this movie. And I could very easily. I think if you watch this movie from a very cynical standpoint, it's very easy to go. Great. Great. Bunch of guys just got together, made some stupid movie together. But, like, it has so much, like, weirdness. It's unmistakable how much passion is in this movie. Yeah, and, again, that that to me is the thing, right? Show that you wanted to be there to make this project. And don't be boring. Those are pretty much my two cardinal rules of movies, right? Yeah. And that that is a huge, wide, broad landscape with which to make anything, right? 
You can make anything from, you know, Portrait of a Lady on Fire to Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. 3, right? Like, anything in there can fit in that that broad landscape. And it's insane how many movies just don't. And it's kind of sad. And, and this is one of those movies that I think most people assume will, but I really think it's Again, super fucking fun. I think that's a really important thing when you're, when you're just, like, when you're just streaming, when you're just looking for movies. Like, again, like... This is what we used to do at the video store, you know? And I think this is, like, the charm of streaming This was now. a famous VHS cover. Oh, yeah. This I was mean, a classic. I remember this one very, very distinctly. But, like, the thing that's take, taking the place now is, like, you know, scrolling through your streaming options. And, like, you're strolling. Like, I do this on Amazon. Amazon is littered with just, like, incredible, like, just random shit. So, like, I usually just stroll through Amazon, and I got to tell you, like, yeah, this is one of those things where you're like, I feel that like it makes me feel like I'm back in the video store just looking for something weird. And I think that that don't mistake people making weird movies that seem bad for movies that are just made to grab grab a buck. That's never going to be the case, especially for movies like Head of the Family. Like, yeah, take a chance on a weird movie. I mean, you know, I don't have to tell anybody on who listens to this pod, take a chance on a weird movie because we all watch weird shit. If you join the Patreon, you would know from our Zoom calls. But like, more importantly, it's so it's so much fun to discover these kinds of movies and to realize like it just because it seems like it might be a bad movie doesn't mean that it's necessarily not made with all the love and care that fucking Christopher Nolan takes to make like Tenet or Inception. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say this is a Nolan worthy level picture. But hey. I'm just saying, guys, makes makes about as much sense. You watch this movie, you'll be surprised how much you like it. You'll be surprised how memorable it is. And one of my other tests for if a movie's really good or not, you'll be surprised how many other people you try to foist this movie upon, which has been my mission since college when I first saw it. I share this with all kinds of people. A successful foisting indeed. I think it's a great movie. I really think it's like a great, like, undiscovered gem oftentimes. Oh, right. That's enough. Head of the family. That's not enough. Horror movies. We are still in the middle of our 31 days, 31 pods. Horror movie mega marathon. We've got lots of great stuff coming, guys. So stay tuned. Make sure your notifications are on. You should be getting a new pod every day. A lot of amazing guests in this next uh, run to the end of October. So stay tuned. Again, the Patreon is patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. Come on over. Join us, guys. It means the world to us. We'll make it worth your time. The email is filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. The YouTube is filmalchemist. Find us on all the socials. Leave those ratings and reviews. And more than anything, get your ass back here for tomorrow, where we're going to put on another Joan of Arc-like quality production for your ears. That's a great fuck, Oh, thank you, thank you. That was not Lost it, lost it. I fucking lost it.